Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. It's been a while. Uh, we took a little hiatus from podcasting um, through the holiday season, but we are back. We are happy to have you with us. And I just want to um, wish you and your family um, a happy new year, a happy 2024. Um, I'm Jess Stalnecker, Executive Director, um, and I'm joined by Ben Herring, our now president. Um, and we are really excited to be here today to talk about some of the things that we will be paying close attention to in the new year, in 2024. Um, we thought that this would be a great way uh, to kind of kick off podcasting this year, where we're going to give you a real brief, it's going to be a brief episode, uh, a brief overview of some of the things that are really, really um, high on our radar, so to speak. Uh, things that we're paying close attention to um, and that we want you to start looking at in your own school districts. And so, um, Ben, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, and it's always good to podcast. It is. It's always fun, right? So um, the first thing that we're starting to see already in this new year, especially with the uh, swearing in of new school board members, we're starting to see mass uh, policy change kind of across the board where uh, boards are trying to pass multiple policies at a time. It almost seems sometimes like they're kind of forced down the throats of the new school board members without a lot of time to really read through them. And so uh, a couple of those that are high on our radar list include threat assessment policies, which we're going to expand a little bit on in a second, um, some transgender policies, specifically those that keep important information from parents. That is really important to emphasize there. Um, and so I, I would just like to kind of, these are already things that we've been made aware of in this very early part of 2024. So um, Ben, if you want to expand a little bit on those um, policies that we're seeing, and we, this is not a surprise. We knew stuff like this was going to happen. I, maybe I should preface all of this by saying that with the ESSER funding way back during COVID times, mm -hmm. uh, there were some things that needed to be put in place in the school districts as an exchange for taking that money. And some of these things, some of these policies, some of these procedures are part of that package. So I just want to put that out there. Absolutely. And, and what we're seeing too, is something that you're seeing you know, if you're paying attention to this stuff like we are in New Jersey, this has happened a lot. You're seeing this a lot in California, but it's really the very hyper progressive areas where you're seeing the implementation of these new policies and good old Pennsylvania decided to, to follow right in suit with them. So specific to policy 256, um, and I want to I want to kind of clarify, too, that for anybody that's not really following again this whole title nine change that's going on with the current administration what they're trying to do but what what really what they've done just for the last five six years in some instances where we looked at north pocono it was from 2016 i mean that's that's now eight years ago they had policies in there that had for their non-discrimination policies gender identity so even through the Trump administration that got rid of that as a protected class within our policies, schools decided to leave them in place. That's a whole different ball of wax that we're going to have to get into at a different time. But what they're, so I mean, <laughs> you could really make the argument, does the policy even matter if you're not going to be following federal law? But 
regardless, they're pushing these new policies out. They're getting worse and worse. If you're a parent, they're getting more and more um, threatening to, you, to your constitutional rights, your 14th Amendment right as a parent. And this 256 does exactly that. So they're now trying to use language in there that states that even though um, FERPA, HIPAA, all your federal protections are still there, you may not have to tell the parents of a substantial change to their child's information um, if it might put them, and they're trying to use, of course, everything's about safety and security. So as long as they use the buzzwords, the buzzwords, it works, right? So if it puts their safety in jeopardy, that's insane, right? I mean, we're talking about parents. So, so you're I not going to tell them to not to interrupt, but just to be clear that it's actually the policies, right? That the teachers have to follow. It's the educators that have to follow these policies where if a student um, in their classroom wants to be called by a different name or a different pronoun or is living his or her days at school um, in the form of a different gender identity, uh, teachers are not allowed to disclose that information to parents without the student's permission. And that's mm -hmm. something that we're seeing. Um, we're seeing these directives being given. I know of directives being given locally um, in IU 18 as early as 2019 um, to teachers in districts um, where they they were told the same thing. You are not allowed to tell parents without the student's, um, without the student's uh, permission. So and and again, also to be clear, we're we're talking about policy two fifty six. It's it's policy two fifty six in one school district that we know specifically, mm -hmm. of, but it could be a completely different policy number, which is where it gets a little tricky in another school district. I know um, that at, in my school district, it's a completely different number. Um, their policy uh, when it comes, I believe to it's two fifty three, right? Uh, I think I honestly think it was in the 100s. I have to look. I have to double check. Um, but just so you guys all know, the listeners know, the, the policy numbers are not necessarily always the same. So if you're looking, you're like, oh, my school doesn't have a 256. They probably have a policy somewhere that deals with transgender students and non-discrimination. So I, th those are the things that you want to be looking for. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because policy 103 already covers non-discrimination. Mm -hmm. So schools are now expounding the their the reach on these policies. I don't know what the intent is behind that. I don't know if they think it's added protection. But yeah, to your point, 103 is already it's been established for decades. And now they're adding in these new series 200 policies, which gives a specific language to policies such as transgender. Um, and even the threat assessment policies that we're going to talk about. I mean, they're they're adding specific ones in there to talk about what the protections are. But again, yes, Jess, I'm glad you, you laid that out perfectly. If your child undergoes a change in school, if they, again, they they go to school and they, they have a significant change, we'll leave it at that. A parent would always be the first to know historically. But what we're seeing with this assault on parents is now they're putting language in the policies that the teachers must follow that says you should not tell the parents. Which is- And so this is- chaos. It, it's chaos. It's sad. And, and you know, we talk about this a lot. Um, we're, we're a parental rights group. Right? I mean, right. So this is, this is our bread and butter. This is something we really care about. Um, but one of some, somebody who reached out to us who happens to be an educator um, was like, this seems like such a contradiction 
to the ACT 71 training that we had to do, which was about suicide prevention, right? So um, this teacher was like, how could we not be telling the parents about the significant change in their son or daughter when that significant change is a very high risk for bullying um, and for, you know, all kinds of things, including, including suicide. So she felt like, wow, like this is such a contradiction. You're, you're making me sign off on policy 256, which keeps this information from parents who are the support system for their kids. Um, at least it, it, you know, in good families, which we hope and pray that we've got more of those, right. Than than yeah. not. Um, and how could you keep that information from the parents when they're the support system and those students are at higher risk. So they need that support. So it's a really, it's a really sad situation, I think, in public schools. I, I think if I were still teaching, I would, I don't know. I, I don't know how I would ever sign off on any of these things. The, the, the completely insidious part of this, too, is that it's not even a protected class. That's a whole different conversation, too, about this gender identity thing and what, what you think of it, medically speaking. But as Title IX has been delayed so many times because of all the pushback from parents saying, you can't just wake up one day and say that you're fluid and you can be a man and then the next day you're a woman and the next day you're a man. That doesn't fly with a lot of parents. Over 70% do you know that we've seen in polling. Again, I don't trust polling that much, but at the same time, it's not something that is universally accepted by parents that, yes, every, every kid should be fluid. But due to that pushback, Title IX has still not been rolled out. The final issue of Title IX is scheduled for March of this year. It's still not rolled out yet. Right. So the previous three years of all these policy changes are going against federal law. Title IX does not protect that class as we sit here today. Right. So these policy changes are, they're radical, but I think the schools want them. You got to look at the schools that are pushing this. It's an ideology. Their administration and their school board has a certain ideology, and that's why they're doing this. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the threat assessment policies, too. Um because that is something that is, we know, really catching on um, in a lot of schools. And so there's kind of this idea um, in threat assessment where students are basically going to be tiered um, by mental health, right? So um, there, it's, it's almost like this trauma-informed approach to discipline, right? This is all wrapped into one thing. Um, and so they're saying that at this point after COVID in this post COVID era, every child has experienced trauma. And so every child has mental health issues at this point in time. So really they're going to tier students and, um, give them a ranking in terms of the severity of their mental health issues. Um, we see a lot that is wrong with this. Um, we are not denying that there are definitely some mental health problems in the youth of today. We're not denying that. We're not denying that it needs to be tackled. But when you are giving a blanket diagnosis to the student population, we find it troubling, um, especially since the implications to their future um, could be outrageous. So I don't know, Ben, you want to expand, expound on that a little bit? Yeah. And I think, I think it's very, very important to understand that who's, who's going to be the arbiter of this, how subjective 
are the the criteria is the criteria going to be for this threat assessment you know we've seen this across the board as well and i'll give you a specific example with the department of defense in 2021 they wanted to push a narrative that there was extremism in the military ranks well they just released a study the day after christmas purposely to try and hide it in the news and what they what this this report showed was that it was such a small number it wasn't even reportable so they push this lie, this lie, this lie, and then they have to come back and say, oh, it actually wasn't true. Why do I bring that up? I think there are some similarities here. If you have, again, an agenda-driven school board, an agenda-driven administration, they're going to enter criteria for how we decide somebody's assessment is going to occur, right? So are all the children that show up that their parents might be Donald Trump supporters? Are they going to be tagged? Uh, if they believe in the Second Amendment, are they going to be tagged? If they believe in the First Amendment, are they going to be tagged? If their parents went to a school board meeting, we all know how that worked out, right? T parents are bad people. They need to be on an FBI watch list. Are they going to be tagged? So pay very, very, very close attention. Read that policy and see what the criteria is. I can almost guarantee you there will be no criteria listed because they want to keep it behind closed doors and they want to keep it very, very subjective to their agenda. So this is, again, not good. If it was an objective standard rolled out across the board without bias, I think we're having a different conversation. But we've seen how this is going to be done. I absolutely agree with you, Ben. And I think that that's why parents really need to be paying attention to what kind of threat assessment policy, what their threat assessment policy. And remember, I mean, everybody needs to know this. These policies are not written by individual school boards. These policies are like templates that come down from the Pennsylvania School Board Association. So if if I look at my threat assessment policy, it's going to look very similar to your threat assessment policy mm -hmm. with maybe the exception of a little bit of language. But I think it's really important for parents to start paying attention to those policies and start reading the ones that are being pushed in the school board meetings in their in their agendas. If you see that there is a policy up for vote, make sure you have the supporting documentation. Make sure you read through those policies. And if you have questions, certainly contact us. I mean, we do have people that understand policy probably more than the average uh, parent out there. So, um, you know, it's really important, though, that you're that you're paying attention to what policies are being passed in your school districts. I think we have folks that know policies a lot better than most of the school boards too. Yeah, uh, that's been Oh, absolutely. That's true. That's that is absolutely true. Um, but also follow the money, Jess, right? So mm -hmm. PSBA, you bring that up. They're very important to watch as well. They're a big player in this whole thing. Look where their donations go. Look where all their money goes. It comes around in this political circle. You know, we're not getting political here, but at the same time, you have to be a realist and you got to see where that money's flowing. Absolutely. And that's why this is being pushed. Absolutely. We know also, and just to kind of move away from policies, but this kind of thing is is very, you know, this is just really how school districts are operating, right? With policies and procedures and curriculum. And so the next thing that is really high on our radar is the expansion of SEL and CRSE. So SEL is that social emotional learning. We've heard a lot about it. We've talked about it being a Trojan horse to critical race theory in schools, but CRSE is cultural, culturally responsive, right? Um, education. So I, I think it's, again, all of these things are, are meant to sound good. They're meant to sound benign. Okay. But they're not, 
And so um, we know that when our school boards made the deal with the devil for the money for the, um, you know, the ESSER funds back during the COVID days, as I referenced before, um, we know that there was a trade-off and the trade-off is all of this diversity, equity, and inclusion, social, emotional learning, cultural respect, all of these things are all part of that. And, and there's going to be more and more of that being pushed into it. And I don't even want to say pushed. I want to be, it's very subtle. It's going to be subtly infiltrating curriculum. And so that's another thing to be paying attention to. Yeah, spot on. And if you look at SEL, look no further than Harvard University, than uh, MIT. Look at the, the what do you call it? The hearings that, that occurred down there with the presidents of those yep. universities. Mm -hmm. That is what SEL is breeding. That is what they want these students to be like. Um, Anti-Semitism became this huge thing that I personally had no idea was so prevalent in our society until the Hamas attack, the terrorist attack. But that has drawn such attention and, and rightfully so. I think it's it's important for us to, to watch that uh, because all this SEL, CRT, you know, categorization of students based upon mutable characteristics such as, you know, race and all that, that's all it's breeding is stuff like that. Next thing you know, you know, these students are gonna be coming out of school saying that America is a bad colonist you know, country and, you know, we hate America and they'll be trying to cancel Christmas events in New York City, you know, parading around. It's, it has effects that people need to fully understand. This isn't just some, you know, we're teaching about racism. Racism existed in America. We know that. Right. We should always talk about it, make sure it never happens again. You know, it's, it's, it, it was horrible what happened, but that's not what we're talking about here. SEL is absolutely not that. It's it's trying to teach these kids things that a lot of parents, quite frankly, would not agree with. Absolutely. Um, so make sure you're watching for that in your schools. Um, there are a bunch, I'm gonna just kind of plug this. There are a bunch of really good resources out there. And we've actually taken some of the resources that we found from Moms for Liberty had an excellent resource on SEL. Um, Courage is a habit, parents defending education. Anything that we find that is really helpful, we always put in our document library on our website. So I'm just plugging that there because I think it's important. Like if you want to learn more about this stuff, we've done podcasts on critical race theory. We've we've talked about SEL in some of our podcasts. But if you really want to start diving into why this is so bad and what are some things you need to look for as a parent, there are resources on our website. Like I said, Moms for Liberty has an excellent, excellent resource that I linked on our document library page in our website. So just to have just for everyone, everyone's information there. And, um, and a little caveat real quick, Jess, just yeah. so um, anybody watching is tracking this as well. There's a lawsuit. So once they once Pennsylvania Department of Education rolled out that they want to expand the CRSE, well, not expand it, make it mandatory in, in K through 12 schools in Pennsylvania, three school districts sued them. And they're being represented by the Thomas More Society. So we're hopeful that that, that lawsuit goes forward, um, goes in front of a judge, a ruling comes down to make that not mandatory, because I don't think it ever should be mandatory. It should be up to the schools to decide the curriculum they want to teach their kids. So stay tuned to that. And of course, throughout the year, if there's any breaking news on that, that lawsuit, certainly be providing that to everybody. Absolutely. Um, and then the last thing, and again, this is not an all-encompassing list. These are just kind of almost like our top three, right? Like we 
are really paying close attention to these things. Uh, and this is not, you know, to say that we're not paying attention to other things. But the other thing is like these teacher trainings, and this goes along with the policies and all these implementations that are happening, but teacher trainings and the directives given in these trainings. Um, we are finding more and more that teachers do not agree, but then they're having to sign off on not only having read the directive or the policy or the administrative regulation, but they also have to sign off that they agree with it. And so um, that's just another little thing that we want everyone to know that we are like, we're sympathetic to those teachers. Like I, again, I, I was a teacher. I wasn't, I, I don't know what I would be doing right now if I were a teacher given those directives. I think I would probably be running for the hills. Um, but I know a lot of people can't afford to lose their jobs. They need that for their livelihood. So it's a really difficult position to be in. Um, and we want you to know, like we're, we're sympathetic to those teachers who are out there trying to do the right thing, not agreeing with a lot of these directives and a lot of these trainings and, um, you know, and how to go about like not having to sign off on it. Yeah. And not, not even just sympathetic. We're also here to help. If you need Absolutely. us, reach out because mm -hmm. there's two there's two things right off the bat that, that we we spoke recently to a teacher and newsflash for those folks out there who, who want to continue to combat us and fight us. We have a lot more teachers than you, than you guys think we do. You know, teachers are definitely allies of ours. And if you're being asked to sign something, forced to sign something by your employer, and this is not, you know, some crazy strategy behind closed doors. People have done this for decades under duress. If you have to sign your name, you sign it under duress. That is a legal term. If it goes forward and, and God forbid you have to go further with some other type of administrative action, that that matters. So put that down there. Also, if you don't agree with some section of it, strike it out and initial next to it. Any legal document, these two you know, ideas can be used. You can strike out what you don't agree with. You can sign under duress. But we can certainly get more specific to the incident if you reach out to us. But for anybody listening, that is absolutely something that I would do under duress. No way. If you're threatening me with my employment, that is that is the definition of under duress. Absolutely. So um, those are things that we're really paying close attention to. We know what the problems are. Um, how do we fix them, Ben? So 2024 for me is the year of redemption. We've seen a lot of bad stuff the last few years. Um, our country has been flipped upside down. Everybody listening probably knows that. But instead of complaining about it, we need to do something about it. We stood up two years ago. We formed an organization. We're continuing to do every single week, every single day, get better, expand. You know, we have a whole strategic plan we put in place. But that's just step one for any organization that's out there, for any group of moms and dads out there. They're like, I'm sick of this. I need to stand up. Have a clear pl plan. Have a clear vision. Start writing it down documenting it and saying, how do we, how do we become a group together? Right. Um, but the biggest part this year, something that we're looking to do, we actually have a meeting tomorrow night, collaboration. There's so many good groups, grassroots organizations across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. They're all doing their own thing. Kudos to them for what they're doing, but they're all doing their own thing. We need to start collaborating. We need to start taking lessons learned, sharing them with allies and figuring out how we can come together um, to be better because strength in numbers is a real thing. Yes. And that'll, and that'll build synergy, right? We start mm -hmm. to develop a battle rhythm. 
we communicate on a recurring basis and we start to share victories, again, that, that builds that good synergy. And then finally, um, fund pertinent lawsuits to force a ruling. This is unfortunate, but it's reality. We have to come to grips with reality here. If we're not changing our legislators that make these laws, these, these CRSE mandates, then the only other remedy you have is to go after them in a judicial setting. There's no other remedy. Unless you know you can get a thousand parents to the school board meeting to show up there and force a policy change, the only other thing you could do is, is you know, go into a judge's, you know, go into a, a courthouse and find a judge that'll rule on it. We've we've understood that. We know that's reality. So we have to continue to grow. We have to fundraise. We have to take that synergy and collaboration and build upon it. Um, and we need to have the ability to go after something that is egregious um, with a lawsuit when we need to. So, you know, to me, those are four things that we really, you know, that's kind of the the, the road to victory. And 2024, I think, has to be. We've, we've seen the destruction of this country long enough. We can't sit by and let it continue to occur. We got to do something about it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I really do feel like our vision and our plan and what you just laid out really for any grassroots organizations to get everybody on the same page. Um, I feel more equipped this year than I ever have before. And so I, I'm thankful uh, for that. Um, and I, I thank you for being here. I think that this was a really good kind of casting the the vision and what, um, you know, what's on our radar for this early part of the year. Uh, we do have some great podcasts on tap for you in 2024. So make sure that you're liking, subscribing, sharing our podcast with other concerned citizens. Uh, other than YouTube, we're available wherever major you, you get your podcasts. So Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music. Um, and remember that our membership is open. Um, you know, become a paying member. Uh, ben, how do you like to describe it? Kind of as like an insurance policy. What do you What do you like to to say? Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. I mean, we all understand. I understand everybody has work. I have work too. Like we all, there's a million things going on. Your kids' sports events, all that stuff. If we are able to grow a group such as Citizens Advisory of Pennsylvania, and we have Jess at the helm, and we have employees, and we have these people working around the clock to protect our children, that is an insurance policy. If you need us, then you could reach out. But if we don't provide resources, we, we don't, you know, fundraise, we don't get, you know, the funds that we need in-house to continue moving forward, then we lose the ability to have an insurance policy such as our organization. So, yes, I think it's very important. Yes. And so um, you can go to our website and just check it out. Check out the member benefits. Check out, you know, if you think that it's something that you want to be a part of. Um, you can also subscribe to our newsletter there. So uh, we've been doing a monthly newsletter since November, no, October. Yeah, I think October. we've had three, yeah. uh, three issues so far. I, I really think that they're they're good, they're informative. Um, and so if you want to stay in the know, that is another way that you can, um, can stay up to date. Um, and like I said before, we have a lot of information and important documents in our document library on our website. So check that all out. We're here to help you. Um, we're in this together. Um, and we appreciate you listening. Thanks and then we're going to be doing. Yep, go ahead. Just, yeah, real quick. So we're looking at doing two podcasts a month, right? So yep. last year, it wasn't really planned, but it kind of worked out perfectly. We did 24 episodes last year. We kind of went every week. We were trying to catch up on lost time. 
this year we're going to look to do every two weeks. So if you're if you're paying attention to keeping score, uh, we're we're looking at doing twenty four this year once every two weeks. So yeah. Um, we wanted to really build our library and talk about some things that we thought parents needed to kind of catch up on. And we we did that in a short amount of time because we didn't start until, what, May of last year. So we recorded 24 podcasts since May, from May to December. Um, and now we're looking at about two a month to keep you up to date and, um, and in the know. So we appreciate our listeners. Um, definitely share this with people who you feel um, could benefit from it as well. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Appreciate Bye, it. Bye, everybody.